Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacree still riding solo today as uh, Quaid continues his uh, cartography lessons. He's actually doing a live remap of the Louisiana Purchase for historical reasons as he continues uh, that borough journey out west. So we wish him well as he continues on that uh, new adventure. I'm joined this morning on the morning meeting not only by Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, coming a bit as we'll get ready for tonight's debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. We're going to talk strengths and weaknesses, response to new polling that has everything within the margin of error. That's coming up in just about half an hour. But it has been too long since we've had a familiar voice on the show. We reached out and got confirmation actually during the show on Friday and uh, was able to uh, set it up all weekend long. Quincy Mayor Kyle Moore back on the show with us this morning. Good morning, Your Honor. Good to have you back. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, Dodgers, the NL West champ, uh-huh. four times in a row. We got that done. I uh, thought yesterday. you'd have your Dodger tie on today. Uh, that maybe that's that's for the that's for a World Series victory. Have you been growing your hair out? We're we're going to start with the important yeah. topics. What's, <laughs> what, what's going on? Well, you know, we uh, is, is that your fall to kind of cover <laughs> cover everything? That, up? that is that's getting out of the summer look there. So okay, I, if only I could have good a hair as good as uh, Sean Seacrease. I'm actually totally in need of a trim right now. It's kind of it's yeah. I, I have what I call a headphone hair because yeah. I wear these all day. And, yeah, and so. It's just weird, uh, and I have an oddly shaped head. I wasn't blessed in the cranial department like Oof, you were, which no. is all, all good looking all the time. Um, what's not been a good look? We do actually have some serious topics to cover this morning here on the morning meeting. Uh, what's not been a good look has been keeping track of the street closings lately in Quincy. One of the things that uh, we have in common when it comes to things government needs to do, uh, it's not necessarily you know sexy things, but it is operating, especially on, an, on a, a citywide level, a countywide level, operating and caring for what's becoming an increasingly aging infrastructure and then doing the work and the budgeting that comes with upgrading that as it can be done. We've had a series of not quite catastrophic failures, but certainly inconvenient uh, water line failures and so forth around the city. Lately, we've had road closures. We've had disruptions because of that. This is nothing that anyone is is personally responsible for. But when you have an aging infrastructure, do these things sort of push uh, push replacing it, addressing it up the agenda list, or is this something that the city just has to deal with when it comes up? Well, one of the things that we've tried to do over the last three years is uh, direct more of our budget, not only um, to infrastructure spending, not only as a percentage of our budget, but uh, in, in real dollars. And so uh, we changed our philosophy three years ago when we uh, do a road project. Uh, if we're going to resurface the street, let's go ahead and take a look at the sewer. And if the sewer is 90 or 100 years old, let's, uh, let's fix it. And what oftentimes happens when you go uh, and dig in deep, 
uh, you find there, there's more damage than what you originally thought. And that happened uh, recently on 18th and Main. Yeah, that intersection was closed for quite a bit longer mm -hmm. than what we thought because we were originally planning, I, I believe it was only replacing around 23 feet of sewer and it ended up being about 250 feet, 10 times uh, What's the cost than, difference on that when you uh, get involved? Well, it's is, quite, is there a cost per foot, a cost per 10 foot it's quite a, it's, it's quite a bit different. So usually if it's a block of uh, resurfacing and uh, curb, curb gutters, uh, sidewalk uh, or curb and gutters and repaving, you're looking at thirty to forty thousand, just rough ballparking it. But then when you get sewers involved, that can add another, you know, say fifty or so. So it's 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 quite a bit expensive. It could turn a project uh, such as 18th and Main into, you know, say a hundred thousand dollar project into about a five hundred thousand, if not a little bit more. Is and there, I don't have the exact figure in front sure. of me, but it's quite a bit. Uh, it's quite a bit more costly to replace the sewer, and that's why y you don't see a lot of it get done because it's cheaper to replace the street. Uh, but what we have tried to do, as I said, is we are we do have a, a positive cash balance on our water and sewer mm -hmm. uh, utility funds. And so let's go ahead and when we're repaving a street, if we know a sewer's old uh, in a, or a water line's old, let's go ahead and replace it. And so that way, what because ha what, what would happen is, is you would repave a street, then three or four years later, uh, the sewer uh, the sewer would collapse, and then you'd end up going in and replacing the sewer and repaving that street again. And so uh, we, we do try to address that. But the city does have aging infrastructure. We're a city that's 175 years old. Uh, a lot of our sewer system, uh, especially on the west part of town, uh, you know, can be anywhere between 80 to 100 years old. Uh, and that is a cost that we say that we try to handle uh, a little bit at a time. I always remind people that if you wanted us to go in and, and give you a sewer system that could ha handle every uh, every event Mother Nature threw at us, uh, you'd w you wouldn't want to live in Quincy because uh, yeah. your tax bill would be incredibly high. You know, I think about it this way, and I think this is the easiest way to sort of grok it down, is if you've ever lived in an old house, purchased an old house, done an old house sort of a rebuild, reconstruction project, uh, like I did here in Quincy. My house was built in 1892. You go in, you start doing work, you go, a lot of this isn't up to current code. It's not going to handle It's not going to handle the modern electrical demands that we're going to put on. So there's, there's infrastructure work to be done. The city is essentially, and we're talking about infrastructure, it's kind of at that point where mm -hmm. you're going to go in and go, everything's over 100 years old, and there were different stresses and strains. Population grows. Uh, our, our consumption rate, whether it's water, electricity, uh, those have all exponentially risen since mm -hmm. those were put in place. So this, is, this doesn't fall under the fault of any administration, but your administration right now has has to take care of the problems as they come up. Uh, you've mentioned that the city is in good shape right now financially. It, it has a rainy day fund. When these things come up, like you mentioned at 18th and Main, and there is increased cost, does that come from ward funds, general funds, rainy day funds? Sort of how does the city suddenly go, oh, we had to do the sewer, that was another 50000 Sort of where does that number come from? It comes out of the reserve funds for whatever, uh, for example, for this, it's utility funds. And so we, we have a, in our utility committee, uh, adopted a policy to have uh, twenty five percent of their expenses in a rainy day fund at any time, uh, so they don't want it to sink below that. From a city level, we now have sixteen percent, which is a little over two months worth of operating expenses. And so, um, we do carry balances, for example, in capital funds that we can use. Um, and again, that's why you need rainy day funds. That's why you want to make sure that not, you're not operating um, in the negative. Uh, so that way, if expenses come in higher than expected, which is going to happen with an aging city, uh, when you go in and replace the infrastructure, uh, that you do have that ability to pay the bill when it comes due. 
Quincy Mayor Kyle Moore, my guest this morning on the morning meeting. Mr. Mayor is going to stay with us uh, throughout the first half of the show. Actually, coming up, there was an article printed in local newspaper over the weekend, and the administration believes that several things pointed out were, in fact, factually in error. We'll talk about those coming up next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. I would give you first billing, not because you're the mayor of Quincy, but because alphabetically K comes before S. So if we're going to do the Kyle and Sean Baseball Nerd Talk podcast, which we just did for four minutes... (laughs) During the break, the mayor on cloud nine today as his Dodgers uh, clinched the NL West last night, which they were behind at the All-Star break. Yeah. I mean, is there is there a rival hashtag for hashtag Cardinals devil magic that the rest of the league was using for years? Because you got a rookie to hit his first home run to win, basically secure the title for you last yeah, night. Yeah, and on Vince Scully's last uh, broadcast. In, well, in you knew Echevez they were going to win. Yeah, so that it was, was magic. It was, a, it was a special night, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the Dodgers. And I'm thinking we're probably going to see Dodgers-Cubs in the – in the NL championship, and uh, I think we'll we'll do all right. Really? Okay. Yeah. I was uh, I I had penciled in Cubs Nationals. Do you not want to see the Nationals? Is that one? No, we're going to play the Nationals. So well, although well, that's true. That's <laughs> going to be the matchup because the Cubs will get the wild card. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So that'll be tough. We'll have to have you. Uh, well, well, we we don't need to have you pick it because we know how you're yeah, going to exactly. go. Just Dodger blue all the way. I'm biased. Uh, as somebody who is biased for greatness. Uh, I'm glad that's going to happen because it's going to give the Dodgers a couple more home games for Vin to do in the postseason. No, he's not doing any postseason. Oh, he's not going to do it? No. Okay, I know there was there was an announcement that had been coming, so he yeah. said goodnight. He's, he, so his last game is uh, next Sunday against uh, San Francisco. In, in San, no, it's in San Francisco. Oh, he's going to go. Yeah, and he picked it because uh, when he was a kid, he was a Giants fan. Oh, sure. And so that's, that's why he did it. So he wanted to end with Giants-Dodgers. Well, there's no better way to go out on top in that case. That would be fun. If you have access to that and you just love baseball, that would be a great one. Uh, what, what are you more excited about later today? NASA's going to make the announcement about uh, a, 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 quote, tremendous fine on Europa, Jupiter's moon. I believe that's 2 o'clock Eastern this afternoon. A little bit disappointed we can't go live to it here on the show. Uh, or the presidential debate tonight. Which one Which one is, is Mayor Kyle Moore more excited about? <laughs> well, I'm interested in that political debate. I think that uh, uh, it, political debates are something that the, the, the nation all tunes in to watch. And it's uh, this history, one's gonna be huge. history in the making. Yeah. And I think we're going to remember it. And I'm also interested interested to see how the media spends it afterwards it's mm-hmm. always interested to see how the media who has a rooting interest in seeing uh, certainly Hillary Clinton win how they try to shape that narrative which is probably going to be the exact opposite of what you and I see and hear on that TV screen uh, eight o'clock tonight central time Hofstra University it is uh, it is not a network exclusive so just pick your favorite network it's probably going to be on there much more on that coming up with Jim Hoft in just a bit here on the morning meeting Mayor Kyle Moore my guest this morning on the morning meeting all right we finished the baseball talk Uh, Back to the dreary world of city politics. Over the weekend, the local newspaper ran an opinion piece Mm. that uh, called out you and the administration uh, for essentially a lack of vision. And there were three particular issues that the author took with you uh, in it that, that I know you didn't think were factual. Let's just say it that way. Uh, 
let's just go through them kind of kind of one at a time in this case. Uh, there was the issue with uh, how involved you were trying to get QPD moved to the new jail facility. We had you on this show many times. You talked about your role, your involvement in that ongoing process. Uh, in hindsight, were you there enough, or, or, or does the articles that charge have some merit? No. First thing, I, I think it's important to know that as any time a conservative runs for office or is it a conservative elected official who's trying to change the status quo, you know that the, there's going to be pushback from the media. And uh, instead of championing what, uh, what you've done to change the status quo, they're going to nitpick and they're going to try to change the narrative. And you'll see it with Donald Trump tonight. We've seen it with Governor Rauner. And here you see it in, in our local paper. Um, there was a the line in the thing was that there was little to no effort with the administration to move QPD and with Adams County Jail, and that's just factually inaccurate. Um, first and foremost, you know that before uh, anything ever happened, I was a champion of it, of it, just the jail being built. I talked about it in my state of the city address. I mm-hmm. talked about it on the show many a times. Um, after uh, after it was passed, uh, not only Chief, Chief Copley met with uh, Chief uh, Fisher and the jail committee many times, was always involved with the meetings, and then I had a point of contact with the county, and that was uh, County Board Member Kent Snyder. And uh, from November to February, I could t- uh, count uh, around 30 phone calls and meetings that we had with the county uh, regarding uh, the Adams County Jail. Now, if you remember, uh, their first uh, choice was to build a jail out on 48th Street. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be a, regu- a pretty simple agreement because it was going to be a build to lease. So they were going to build some space for uh, QPD. Uh, we were going to lease it up for a monthly charge, and that was pretty much going to be about it. Uh, pretty simple. They didn't need any subsidy from the city, anything to make it happen. because The city it, was going to be a tenant. Exactly. It was going to be under budget. Mm-hmm. However, the county had to go through their process to select a site. And then when they decided to select the downtown site, they needed the city to come in to make it happen. Well, now you're coming into real dollars and cents, and it's not necessarily just a simple build-out. It's we need, they needed some dollars to help the project come in under budget. And so then that's when the real negotiating began. And so I, throughout the process, was very respectful that, that the Adams County Board is a separate entity. I, as the mayor, cannot go in and tell the county board how they should do things. And so I worked within their confines behind the scenes and just because that I don't govern by press release doesn't mean that I'm not working behind the scenes to make something happen. Kyle Moore, our guest this morning here on the morning meeting, the mayor of Quincy. Uh, also, uh, we're just going over a couple of points that were written in an opinion piece in the local newspaper over the weekend uh, that I wanted to give the mayor a chance to respond to. Uh, it was suggested, I think it was back in February, there was a rule change on the council that, that gave aldermen final say on department head firings in the city. That had previously been up to the mayor. Is, is, is that point correct? And, and how did that all come about? No. So there were uh, three proposals by Alderman Havermill, uh, uh, two of which were adopted. One uh, w- I was in full support of, uh, which was uh, limiting the number of days that interims uh, could be appointed. So an mm-hmm. interim department had full in support. That was great. Uh, and then he, uh, there was an RFP for, uh, they wanted to do an RFP for outside legal for city council. They've always had that ability to do that. That yep. really wasn't a rule change. And then the third point, which uh, the author takes is that there was some rule change that um, or ordinance change that allows the city council to be involved in firing. Uh, that is not accurate. Uh, that ordinance was voted down by the city council. So there's been no change in uh, the in how the administration can um, work with department heads and if uh, they're at will employees and if uh, the administration, the mayor uh, decides to let go of a um, a department head and their at-will employee, they do not need to go to the city council for that. So that is actually not true. That got voted down in March. Did this all evolve from the 
acquisition and, and subsequent release of the head of central services for the city. Is that what, what sort of brought this this line of thought up, or was this something that was on the table the whole time? No, I, I, I think it was something. Listen, when, when you have a legislative body, aldermen get ideas. They, they are legislators, and so when they uh, want to make a change to city code, they're well within their right. Um, here we had an alderman propose three things, and two were adopted, and, and we helped to make it work. That doesn't lead to a division on the city council or a, quote, lack of vision. Um, really what I think this article does is a disservice to the men and women who serve on the city council who've taken some very difficult votes over my term in office to complete a vision. You'll remember in 2013 we, we set out some very strict financial goals to have a balanced budget, uh, to increase our reserves, to increase the amount of money that we, we spend on capital. We've done all those things. And that has meant some very difficult votes that we've covered on this show many a times. Just because they're split votes doesn't mean that uh, there's not an overall vision. Um, and so that's where I think that this, this article really does a disservice. Um, we, we've changed, for an example, the way that, that uh, we invest money downtown in, in a TIF reinvestment strategy. We've changed some of our economic development incentives. And so you will always find with legislative bodies that there's a give and take uh, between the executive branch and the legislative branch. But that doesn't mean that those men and women, either in the administration, elected officials, aren't working together for a common vision. That is just governing. The final uh, issue that we want to bring up out of the article is a charge that aldermen had to amend this year's budget just before passage in order to reinstate funds for Fire Station 6. Uh, this seems uh, almost trivial. Aldermen in, in cities across the country, uh, whether they're uh, working at the local level, whether you have a, a county commission, budgets are amended regularly. I mean, this is something that is just... Kind of the, the everyday put, you know, lace up your bootstraps and go to work when you have to oversee funding. We have an $84 million budget, you know, with, when you total everything together, 300 pages. Uh, it, it comes from a proposal from the mayor's office. You should expect that the council will want to make some changes. And I, I gave you some examples, um, you know, before the show. Uh, mayor Schultz had a budget one time where the aldermen decided to cut police and fire by 5%. Mayor Schultz cast a deciding vote not to make that happen and then ended up having to cast the deciding vote uh, for his budget. Uh, during my term as an alderman uh, serving under Mayor Spring, uh, we amended his budget a few times and a few of the proposals he was not in support of. Again, that's a give and take between the legislative branch and the executive branch, but yet, yet I've yet to find um, opinion pieces for those terms in office that say there's a lack of vision. Again, you should expect there to be a give and take between a legislative branch and executive branch, but do not say that these men and women, uh, the aldermen working for the city in a bipartisan way, um, are not working towards making our city a better place to uh, live, work, uh, and, and you know raise a family in the city. Split votes aren't necessarily bad. Well, you know what that means? That means we're ta tackling difficult issues. It means that we're not trying to dust things under the carpet. Uh, we're saying, you know what, if there's a difficult... People aren't robots. That's it. And we're going to, if there's a difficult issue, we're going to tackle it. And we're going to make people uncomfortable sometimes by addressing issues, looking them head on in the face and saying, let's vote on it and let's make it better. That way, we're not passing off our problems to future generations. If you want to check out the article, it is an opinion piece, and it was written by Doug Wilson for the uh, Quincy Herald Way. Quincy government in search of a clearly articulated vision for the city. Those uh, those opinions are laid out there, and I wanted to give the mayor a chance to respond to them here on the morning meeting this morning. Uh, going forward, where's where's the city going? We're coming off the citywide cleanup this weekend. We just have a moment left. Yep. Uh, how much stuff did you throw away? 
I, I threw out a little zero. <laughs> no, we had great use of that, so that's that's wonderful. So uh, tonight uh, we will vote on uh, future salaries for uh, elected officials. Uh, that's that's uh, going to be talked about. We'll also um, now is this salary or is this total compensation? Total compensation, I should say, for okay. elected officials. So we'll be talking about that, and then of course uh, we'll start our our uh, tax levy discussions here in the next few months. Um, that'll probably happen late November, early December. So. Uh, get ready for that, because then that's the fun topic of how do we fund uh, pensions. Has anybody requested to kneel for the national anthem? No. Not in Quincy City Not, not in Quincy. Not okay. In Quincy. All right. So that hasn't, hasn't happened yet. And yeah, the, the pension issue is one that uh, we've talked about when we've had Governor Rauner here on the show. This is, I don't want to say an overwhelming issue, because you can eat any elephant if you approach it the right way. But this is going to be the next sort of great financial challenge uh, on every level in the state of Illinois. That's correct. And so the city of uh, Quincy for our public safety pensions has to be 90% funded by 2041, which essentially means we have a ramp. Mm-hmm. And every year... And I know you've asked for a yeah. reduction before when mm-hmm. you've been on on committees that have gone to, to Springfield to mm-hmm. talk, and it's it's not something that's happened yet, but you've been in favor, not of full, not of not fully funding them and taking responsibility, but on, on sort of decreasing the, the height of the steps that are necessary that's to it. get there. So to take the 90% funded by 2040, mm-hmm. take that 90% to 75%, 75. and and then every five years, move that move that uh, goal line back a little bit. So now we can have say 2045 or 2050, and then that helps de-escalate the ramp. That's a simple constitutional uh, way to give some relieve some uh, pressures on municipalities across the state of Illinois. And if you couple that with uh, one of the things that I have always cried foul on, which is unfunded mandates from the state legislature, you could probably see some people in, the, in <laughs> city governments and, and statewide in, in better uh, fiscal shape uh, as well. Quincy Mayor Kyle Moore has been my guest this morning for the morning meeting. Mr. Mayor, congratulations on your Dodgers clinching it last night, and thank you for spending the time with us this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. Quincy Mayor Kyle Moore, if you missed any of it, you can grab the podcast as soon as the show is over. Coming up this morning, an outsider candidate has said now is not the time for a protest vote. We'll talk about that and why he could be talking about either party's candidate for president. And we'll get with Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, coming up next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. I ran on a third party here in the state of Vermont. I got all of 1% in one election. So I'm not here to disparage third party candidates who historically have played a very, very important role in this country in raising issues uh, and moving this country in certain directions. Uh, But I think right now, given the crises that we face, a disappearing middle class, massive levels of income and wealth inequality, uh, the issue of the increase in bigotry that we are seeing, climate change, the fact that so many young people are leaving school deeply in debt. We've got hundreds of thousands of bright young kids who can't even afford to go to college. I think what the focus has got to be on now is understanding that this moment in history for a presidential election is not the time for a protest vote. It is a time to look at which candidate is going to work best for the middle class and working families. 
If it wasn't for the crack about climate change, you couldn't have been sure who Bernie Sanders was talking about in that clip. Sean Seacrest now joined by Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, this morning on the morning meeting. Jim, good morning. Good morning, guys. Well, it's just Guy this morning. Quaid continues his uh, historic transversal of the Louisiana purchases. He's actually uh, been given a commission to update the cartography model. So he's out one man in his borough sort of reliving that historic uh, aspect of a great moment in this country's history. He'll be back with us on Wednesday. Believe it or not, that's just a one-day trip. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with me this morning here on the morning meeting. Jim, I don't know if you are able to hear that clip. It was Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders essentially saying, this is not, this is not the election to register a protest vote in. He didn't really describe anything special about Hillary Clinton. In fact, the only thing in that 57 seconds that was a giveaway that he was a liberal was the mentioning of radical climate change as an agenda piece. Other than that, you wouldn't have been sure who he was talking about. That's a refreshing change from some things we're seeing leading up to tonight's first debate. In fact, there has been, and I know you've probably noticed this too, a coordinated effort on behalf uh, by the leading editorial boards for newspapers in this nation to come out uh, and sort of submarine Donald Trump ahead of tonight's debate. Uh, This is something that we should get used to seeing play out as the polls are tightening and everything seems to be within the margin of error, Jim. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what's happening in this country today. I've, I've spoken with so many people who don't follow politics. And they're noticing. I mean, these are these are like a, a doctor I spoke with, uh, a homemaker, um, a woman who's in business and doesn't follow the news very closely. None of these people do. But what they're noticing is that the media has had such bias against Donald Trump. These are people who don't even read the news every day, but they're even noticing it. And the fact that all of these newspapers would coordinate, and this was definitely coordinated. Mm-hmm. Um, would coordinate these polls against, uh, you know, in these articles against Trump uh, the day of the first debate. There's, that's not by accident. And I think Americans are catching on. I think this is the election that Americans are fine. I think they're. I think the scale is finally tipping to where enough Americans are are finally seeing just how biased and liberal this media is. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, my guest this morning on the morning meeting, taking a look at the uh, popular polls that are out today, whether it's a two-way race or a four-way race, everything now with rare exceptions, for instance, the Rasmussen report that shows Trump up five or the uh, report that shows Clinton up four when the margin of error is, is plus or minus three, there are very few polls now on either side of the aisle that show either candidate outside the margin of error. Jim, to me, that just raises the stakes higher than ever tonight. Oh, I, I think so. But um, I also, for your audience, uh, I, I follow these polls very closely. I looked at the Quinnipiac poll this morning. Um, they, they're all giving Hillary a three or four percentage point advantage. Uh, they all believe uh, they're using numbers from, you know, four or eight years ago where Democrats came out in droves to vote for Barack Obama. What we're seeing this year is nothing of the sort. Um, Trump has an amazing uh, excitement from people who are not just Republicans, but for people who have, haven't voted in, uh, in years. Um, this is not being uh, reported in these polls. 
Hillary has nothing. There is no excitement there. Nobody knows what she stands for. I'm telling you, my, my uh, brother, by the way, put up a post for me yesterday on the Gateway Pundit where we, uh, we compared these uh, numbers of people going to Hillary events, people going to Trump events, and it's 80 to 1 in advantage of Donald Trump. That tells you something. It's significant. And um, it is, uh, it, you know, I, I think we're going to see something on Election Day that's going to shock a lot of these pollsters and liberal media pundits out on the East Coast. I wish I could remember where I saw it. I was just reading this this morning. It was the plea to liberal voters that, you know what, if, if you're not that excited about Hillary, it's time to put that down and get on board the Hillary train, basically making the plea that, you know what, we're in a desperate enough situation that it's time to hold your nose and get ready. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, and again, it, it, it's really interesting, Sean, to watch the, the media today because, uh, you know, they're saying, every, it seems like every report I hear, they say, oh, they're just such both, they're both such unpopular candidates. And yet, we know that Trump is, you know, he's, he's set all kinds of records. He continues to set records at his rallies. Um, he's very popular with the people. Um, it's just these, uh, these liberal pundits, again, these nasty never-Trumpers and, and liberal pundits who uh, uh, cannot, you know, cannot see the movement that's behind Trump. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with me this morning here on the morning meeting. Uh, Jim, CNN did an interesting <clears throat> article this morning, and I just, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but essentially they treated tonight's debate like a, a, a sporting matchup and did strengths and weaknesses for each candidate. I want you to give me sort of two strengths and two weaknesses as you see it for each candidate going in. Let's start with Trump. Give me a couple of strengths you see in him and a couple of weaknesses you see heading into the debate tonight. Uh, Trump, of course, you know, his, his, uh, the, what he has going for him, he has m massive charisma. And uh, he's, uh, uh, so, so people just look at this guy. You can't keep your eyes off him. Um, even when, he, you know, when, you're, when you're walking by your TV and he's talking, most of the time you're going to stop and listen. Um, the other thing is, is he represents change, significant change. He's completely out of the you know, the, uh, the, the elite uh, uh, political class he has nothing to do with them. So, so for Trump, those are his, his uh, strong points. I think his, his weak point is uh, he's, he's not, uh, you know, uh, does not have an in-depth knowledge of the, uh, the policies, and he could not name the president of uh, Uzbekistan. Um, so so uh, for the uh, elitists out there, that's a turnoff. But I think for most Americans, they don't really care. If he can explain just, you know, he wants to build a wall, he wants to protect America, he wants to keep jobs in America rather than giving them to some other country, um, those are, uh, you know, those are his, that maybe his faults, but most people will forgive him on that. Hillary, she's just awful all around. I've said this for months, Sean. She's an awful candidate. I, I, it's, it's hard to think of something that's likable about her. Um, she, she has no charisma. Her record is complete disaster and death. Um, there's uh, people dying all over the world today because of the Obama-Hillary agenda. Um, and on the home front, she's, uh, she, she has Obama's policies to defend, and they've been a complete disaster. So, I, you know, it's hard to say something nice about her. 
Um, I, I think she's. Uh, I don't think she's even a good person. I think the only reason she's running is for this hunger for power, and it may kill her. She doesn't look like she's in good shape at all. When it comes to Hillary, Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, my guest this morning on the morning meeting, the traditional advantage that she would have is an insider's working knowledge of government at the highest level. This year, though, at this particular moment in American political history, the fact that she has insider knowledge may be more damaging to her and her reputation when it's an outsider's turn to take a bite at the apple. So that's the one thing. If, if I'm in the Hillary camp, my worry is something that they actually can't change, is that she is a lifelong political insider, and she's just a tiger that's going to have to own those stripes. Uh, absolutely. And this, you know, the, a strike against Hillary too, just like it was for the Republicans who are running this year, you know, these establishment types, um, America's ready for a change. We've seen that these, these, uh, trade agreements have been a disaster. Trump's the first one to come out and speak about it. We see that an open border has been a disaster. Trump again is the only one who's spoken about it. And he's the one who made this a national uh, an item of discussion before Trump, nobody even you know expected that we'd be building a wall or that somebody would mention that or that Mexico would pay for it. Um, that wasn't even in the cards until Donald Trump came around. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with me this morning on the morning meeting. Let's brass tax this. Uh, if you're on the East Coast, 9 o'clock tonight here in the Central Time Zone. It'll be 8 o'clock tonight. Hofstra University, commercial-free, 90 minutes and this is expected to be one of the TV debates uh, sort of in our national collective consciousness, one of the TV events that is going to draw a lot of eyes to this. Uh, let's see, any basically pick your favorite news station, and they're going to have it, whether it's NBC, PBS, CNN, Bloomberg. Uh, they're going to have a Spanish-language version on Telemundo. Uh, you can do this. Uh, Twitter's going to have coverage. YouTube will live stream this. And, uh, Jim, I'm sure you're actually giving the once-over to your virtual reality equipment there in the palatial Gateway Pundit headquarters as, as you will watch this in VR tonight. <laughs> um, I'll be watching it uh, from my office uh, and recording clips that are memorable. I, um, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be a very difficult night for Hillary. If she comes out of this uh, unscathed and uh, if she comes out without any serious wounds, I'll be surprised, but I think that's really the best she can hope for. And uh, she, she, she has to count on the fact that the moderator is going to help her and that, uh, you know, the media pundits will help her afterwards and defend her. But uh, it's, it could be a very, very difficult night for Hillary. You mentioned something that you're going to be doing that uh, all of the media will be doing as well, and that is watching this, but not only watching it, but putting clips together from it. These clips will be disseminated, and they'll really dominate the conversation for the next 24 to 36 hours. But that's the problem, it seems like, for candidates. If they have a great debate, they don't get a whole lot of life out of that necessarily anymore, Jim, because our news cycle is 24 to 36 hours. Now, if you're on the short end of the straw, that's good because you don't have to live with it for very long as it's going to be a couple of weeks before the next debate. But is how difficult is it today for someone to take a great debate performance, not just good, but great, and turn that into any real momentum? Well, I, I think with Donald Trump, uh, the media, of course, has been calling him a clown, has been making him sound like just this idiot for, uh, you know, months now. And so for a lot of Americans, the first time they really get a chance to see Donald Trump, 
So I suspect that he will uh, he will have a, a pretty good night um, because uh, the expectations for him are so low. It's really true. And for Hillary, it's just the opposite. People are expecting her to, you know, be this policy wonk and and uh, have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, composure and posture. And, uh, you know, Trump could really get into her head and she could she could fall apart. So uh, we'll see. It's going to be a great night, though. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Bundit, with me this morning on the morning meeting. Jim, one thing that I know the Hillary camp has to be dreading, and I'm certainly not rooting for this because I just want to see this debate done on the merits of the two candidates, but with the health issues that Hillary has been battling lately, what happens if she has an issue on stage under the hot lights tonight? I mean, does that submarine her candidacy if she has a live health issue in front of half of the nation? You know, Sean, when she uh, collapsed on 9-11 at Ground Zero, and uh, literally uh, I saw a video last night, uh, somebody put a, a color-enhanced, uh, uh, they, they, they color-enhanced this video of her collapsing as she got dragged into her car, and you can really see she was, uh, she was completely out. They dragged her and threw her in that van, and um, she's, she's in, uh, again, she looks like she's in really poor shape physically. Um, if, if something would happen like it did on 9-11, you'll notice her polling numbers dropped significantly after that event. Um, and it wasn't because of the media. Again, it was because of some citizen journalists who just happened to record uh, her collapsing and being dragged into the van that, uh, you know, Americans saw this because, again, our media does not show us things. Um, they hide things from us. Uh, that's probably their biggest sin. Not only are they biased against conservatives, but then they hide all of these things, you know, uh, about liberal candidates and the liberal politicians and policies. So uh, that really hurt Hillary. If something happens tonight, I think it's going to be just as dreadful for her. And I'm sure they're worried about it. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with me this morning on the morning meeting. All right, Jim, that's it. I know you still have to order your sandwiches, drinks, and party favors uh, to put on the event tonight, so I'm going to let you get back to that. Will, will you be live blogging this one? Uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be watching and putting up clips. Yeah, all right. So all, all we'll that, see how it goes. All at thegatewaypundit.com tonight. Jim, thanks so much for the time. We will have a lot to get into a week from tonight. I know it's going to be very interesting as we follow up this first debate. Jim Hoff, The Gateway Pundit. Check him out online. Thanks, Jim. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Sean. We'll wrap it up next on The Morning Meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Just a couple moments left this morning on The Morning Meeting. Sean Seacrees with you as Quaid continues his uh, cartography reworking of the Louisiana Purchase as he is out today. Uh, He's actually... Through his uh, through his representation, through his his manager, uh, booked himself as a guest on the show tomorrow. That's right. Let that sink in for a second. Quaid has booked himself as a guest on the morning meeting tomorrow morning. 
That's that's. I'm going to have to make sure producer Josh has the right contact number for him. I'm not sure we've ever done this before, but tonight this, this might be a little interesting. Yeah, this, actually. Is, this right. should be crazy. Right. Uh, tonight, of course, is the presidential debate, and uh, he'll be watching it. Uh, I think his his borough has a, a, a satellite hookup. He's or, or a hotspot, a Wi-Fi hotspot. He'll be able to watch it online. Uh, and, and he's going to join me for a discussion tomorrow morning about the presidential debate. We'll give you a chance to weigh in on that as well. We're going to spend the fir- good part of the first half of the show tomorrow talking about the presidential debate tonight between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And then uh, the Illinois watchdog, Ben Yount, will join me tomorrow here on the morning meeting. As we lead into that this evening, I don't want this to get lost in all the talk today because we've only mentioned it for a moment. That NASA announcement still coming up this afternoon. That's right. I didn't. I wore the NASA T-shirt all weekend this weekend to spark debate about that and and knowledge. And uh, I, I debated wearing it in here today, but it didn't smell real great at that point. And, and I didn't get a chance to, to to do anything about that. But that is coming up this afternoon. NASA making the announcement about Europa. Quaid was chiding me. You were in here, producer Josh, of course, when the when the Chinese space station started to fall. And I didn't do like a breaking news line about it. So I didn't think there was any need burn up on reentry. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be fine. It just happens. You know what I mean? Well, with the amount of space junk that we have now, I think the next generation isn't going to be able to see shooting stars. They're actually just going to see space junk burning up as it reenters the atmosphere. And they're going to think it's shooting stars. I, I think that already happens now. Mm-hmm. And they're going to yeah. be robbed of an opportunity to really enjoy one of the uh, wonders of the cosmos when you see actual shooting stars uh, going by. And by the way, if you've ever been present for the aurora, that's actually a dangerous phenomenon. It has a lot to do with uh, the radiation and magnetics and stuff like that. It looks pretty, but it's dangerous. It's kind of like when you're, you've got jumper cables on a car battery uh, attached and then you spark them together. Looks pretty, but could be dangerous if things go wrong. So that's it's, it's not exactly the universe trying to jumpstart the earth, but uh, there's some danger involved there as well. Tonight's debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, that'll get going uh, on your favorite uh, coverage outlet for it. Uh, it'll be uh, online, YouTube, Twitter. You're not going to be able to get away from it tonight. Many are saying this could be the biggest TV event, not only of the year, but of the last few years. This is going to make uh, Monday Night Football's viewership look paltry by comparison, and it's going to be a key talking point going forward. So no matter which candidate you are lining up behind, no matter which candidate you're planning a protest vote for or against, Make sure you're part of the conversation and, and understand the way that the dialogue and the topics are going to be framed going forward, at least between now and the next debate coming up in Washington University in St. Louis in a couple of weeks. All right, 8 o'clock Central Time tonight. Hillary Trump will be talking all about it tomorrow right here on The Morning Meeting. Morning Adjourn. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.